Alright, we are uh, in the book of Ephesians. Glad that uh, you've joined with us for our uh, Wednesday night Bible study. And for those who are joining via video uh, in Stevens Point, glad to have you with us as we're studying the Word. On Wednesday nights, our approach uh, is very different than on Sunday morning. Sunday mornings are topical messages. But on Wednesday nights, we take a book of the Bible and we go through it verse by verse. The whole point, trying to give us an understanding of what the Scriptures are saying. So at the end of the day, you get this stuff. Because the more you get it, the more empowered you are. And this is about empowering believers. In fact, this Sunday I'm going to be pre- preaching a message entitled, The Priesthood of the Believer. And uh, for so long in Christianity, we've had kind of an Old Testament thinking, you know. Old Testament was, you know, that they had the people, then you had God, and then there was the priest in between. And the priest was like the mediator between God and man. And the priest offered up sacrifices and prayed for the people and ministered to the people and stuff. And while the New Testament church did not think in that way in any way, shape, or form, it wasn't but a few hundred years later. And then all of a sudden, this thinking started getting back into the church. And then we became this this thinking, this certain class of, of believers. You know, you had the regular believers, then you had the extra holy ones. Like me who were the pastors and the priests and stuff and they had an elevated status in the church and they became the ones who you went to to really get something from God well that's complete bogus baloney and uh, and, and even though uh, uh, even in recent years um, I'm speaking like hundreds of years uh the uh, Protestant churches started pulling more and more away from that, but they still kind of held on to this idea that, you know, there's there's the people, but then there's the pastor. You know, he wasn't the priest per se, but there was still emphasis on, on these guys in ministry. And, and no, 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 no. The Bible talks about all believers are priests. We are a kingdom of priests before God. What does that mean? We all have direct access to God. And the reason why the early church changed the world, starting with just a few men, is because they all got that. They realized that, hey, I can change the world. I am a priest unto God. I have a ministry directly unto God. And what I'm going to be teaching uh, this Sunday is, is trying to change that mentality so you start realizing who you are in Jesus. This is no little deal. The more we start empowering the people to walk in the power of God and in the faith of God, the more we will transform the world in which we live. The more we think that it's up to the pastor to do it. And God bless the pastor and let the pastor help us. And it's all about the pastor. Then you're doomed. Alright? Because this pastor ain't going to help much of anybody. Are you hearing me? My goal is to teach you the word of God to empower you so you can work and move and, 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 and grow in the things of God. That's why we want you to understand the scriptures so that you can be empowered to become all that God has called you to be. Be all you can be. All right? All right, now, looking at uh, Ephesians, the fifth chapter, we left off really at the, at the end. We, we, we got to this part, you know, the part of the Bible where it says, wives, respect your husbands, which women hate, and men, love your wives, which guys think they like because they don't get it. All right, because of the two, I promise you, the weight's on the guys. And let me give you a picture. Because if you look at verse 25, husbands love your wives just as Christ loved the church. Now, how did Christ love the church? Jesus tried to teach us about uh, servanthood. And I want us to just uh, take a little diversion tonight. I want you to flip back to, to the Gospel of Matthew. 
hang a left there, flip back to Matthew, the 20th chapter. And, and let's take a look at uh, some things here. Uh, 20th chapter, and uh, starting at verse 25. The disciples were kind of arguing about who's the coolest and who's going to be the best and who's going to be highest up the ladder and all that kind of stuff. And uh, Jesus called them together and said this. He says, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. What does that mean? The rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. That's that's a guy going around saying, I'm in charge. I'm in charge. Bless God, you need to listen to me. Woman, submit. I'm the man. God called me to be the husband. You just need to shut up and submit. Acting like a Gentile heathen. That's what you're doing when you're acting like that. Are you hearing me? Boy, it's quiet in here. (laughs) He says, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. I'm in charge. I'm in charge. I'm the man. All right. But he said, not... So with you. In other words, you don't act that way. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be what? The servant. Doesn't sound like exciting to me. Whoever wants to be first must be your (laughs) slave. Ho Chi Mama. Just as the Son of Man. The son of the son of man. We're talking about Jesus, the Son of God incarnate in the form of man, did not come to be served, but to what? And to give his life as a ransom for many. This is how Jesus loved us. This is the picture that Jesus gave. One of servanthood, one of sacrifice, one of giving his life in exchange for the freedom of others. All right. Now, look over at uh, the Gospel of John, John 13. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. 13. I'll start with verse 1. This, this, is, this is the uh, the Last Supper. He said, It was just before the Passover feast, Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world. He now showed them the full extent of his love. How did he do that? Well, the evening meal was being served, and the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, the little rat, son of Simon, to betray Jesus. That's my translation. And... Uh, And Jesus knew, now check this out, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power. All things, everything, there was nothing that was not under the authority of Jesus. Jesus knew this. He totally understood this. And that he had come from God and was returning to God. He knew who he was. He knew the power, the authority The status that he had was fully known to him. And what does he do now that he 
truly understands this great authority and power that is his. So he gets up from the meal, took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. And after that, he poured water into a basin and, and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. How, how do you do that? How, here he understands the incredible authority he has and, and sits down and starts washing their feet. You know, I'd have gone for combing the hair or something, but it's the feet. And this is like freaking him out. He says he comes to Simon Peter, who said, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? This is some servants do. This is something commoners do. This is not something the Son of God would do. Jesus said, look, you don't realize now what I'm doing, but later you'll understand. And Peter says, no. You shall never wash my feet. Not, not because he was arrogant, but because he realized what Jesus was doing. This, this, was, this was totally out of character. The Son of God does not wash people's feet. Well, then Jesus said, look, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Of course, Peter being Peter swings to the other extreme and says, well, Lord, not just my feet, but my hands and head too. The Son of God... This is amazing stuff. A man should love his wife as Christ loved the church. Look at Luke. Flip back one more. We'll take one more here. Matthew, Mark, Luke. We're going to skip over Mark. Mark gets short change tonight. We'll hit all the Gospels here, but one. Luke 17, verse 7. By the way, bring your Bibles. So you can follow along. Get to know the word. So here Jesus is talking to his guys and he says this. Look, suppose one of you had a servant plowing or looking after the sheep. Now, would he say to the servant when he comes in from the field, come along now, sit down and eat? I mean, I I would actually. (laughs) The guy's been working hard, give him a break, right? But they didn't think in these terms. Certainly not in this culture. He said, would would he not rather say, look, make my supper. Get yourself ready. Wait on me while I eat and drink. And after that, you can eat and drink. Would he thank the servant because of what he was told to do? You also. uh, So you also, when you have done everything you were told to do, should say, we're just unworthy servants. We've only done our duty. And he's talking about humility and stuff. But stop and think of this mentality. Here, the servant, Jesus praises this idea of a servant going out and working to the point of exhaustion and then coming home and rather than being served, the first thing he does now is serve the master in the house. A man should love his wife like Christ loves the church. Now, now take that picture, these pictures I've just given you, and, and look at the typical guy who goes out and works hard and comes home and starts barking orders. Do this. Do that. I'm tired. Tell the kids to shut up. They're making me crazy. I've had a hard day. Hurry up, woman. Yeesh. Chop, chop. 
Is that the picture of Christ loving the church? No, it's not. The true picture is one who continues to serve his... I'm telling you, when you understand these verses, it's not the ladies who have the slam here. It's the guys. And, and, and we all... I'll tell you, there's not a guy in here who doesn't need to grow in this stuff. Starting with the cute Puerto Rican on stage. We all, you know, this is a whole different deal. I'll tell you, if anything from that verse, if it tells me is, man, don't come home with nothing to give your family. All right, now they tell us, you know, your boss will say, you know, give us 100%, give us 110%. You know, you, you know, you guys that play football and stuff, you know, the coach always tells you, you know, leave it all on the field. You know, but I tell you, do not leave it all at work. You need to save some energy for your family. Don't completely blitz out out in the workplace and come home with nothing expecting to be waited on hand and foot. Now, obviously, love from both sides would swing in if someone's totally exhausted to help. But, but the attitude of servant is what I'm talking about. Don't completely drain yourself. I'm speaking to the men now, husbands here. Don't completely drain yourself in the workplace. Do your best, man. Give it all. You guys that do play football, you better give it all, though. Kick your butts. But, uh, uh, <laughs> but you know what I'm talking about. Don't give all of your life and energy out there. You need to save something for your family. Keep that energy. Now, not, you can't do it every day. I get it, but I'm talking, this is an attitude. An attitude of servanthood. I have been in the field. I have plowed. I have given my all. But rather than coming and saying, now feed me, my attitude is now that I've done all this. Let, let me serve you. And, and let me take care of you. And let me give to you. Whew. Hochi mama. That's quite the deal. Now, let me ask you a question. <clears throat> if... If Jesus serves us this way, is it, is it conditional? Does he only do this if we deserve it? No. No. What does that say? That says you need to love your wife like this whether she deserves it or not. Which now takes me back to the ladies. Women, respect your husbands. Well, he don't deserve it. Doesn't matter if he deserves it. Because it says here in verse 22, you need to submit to your husband as unto the Lord. You're supposed to, both of you are supposed to have this attitude as you would serve Christ, you serve each other. This is the idyllic Christian home. Sadly, it's one we, we, we see about as often as we see the dodo bird. It's become extinct. We need to bring this back. We need to foster this. We need to start working towards this. Where a woman respects her husband like she would respect Christ. Whether he deserves it or not. See now, that's why so many women struggle over this. They, they think, well, you know, if, if he starts acting right, then, then I'll respect him. But he's a pig. No, 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 no. You need to do this separate from how he acts. You men need to love your family separate from how... See, these things are not conditional. What happens is the minute a man no longer feels respect, he starts withholding love from his wife and kindness from her. And as soon as a woman doesn't feel love and kindness, she starts withholding respect from her husband because these things are conditional 
in their minds. But true Christian love doesn't think in those terms. They don't think, you know, I do this because you've earned it. It's not about earning it. It's about doing these things as unto the Lord. In fact, he goes on, we're going to see here that he he talks other areas of, of Christianity, all of life. Anyway, all the things that we're supposed to do, we're supposed to be doing it like we're serving Jesus. But in fact, it's directly to others. But we're supposed to do it to others like we would do to Jesus. And I promise, if Jesus showed up, I bet you most of y'all be just as nice as you could be. I'm sure of it. If Jesus just all of a sudden showed up and you just walked in your house, you ladies would treat him with the utmost respect. You guys would serve you, no matter how tired you are, man, you'd get up and you'd just give him all your attention and... Forget Jesus. If just Pastor Lathan showed up, he'd be nicer. <laughs> so he's like, pastor's here. Quit yelling. Hey, good to see you, brother. Praise God. Hallelujah. Yes, we were just talking about how wonderful Jesus is. Yes. How do you maintain that attitude when nobody else can see? How would you act? I'll tell you what, the truth is, some of you who struggle uh, with uh, just in your marriages, I have no doubt that if you were to come and live with Debbie and I in our house, and we've done this from time to time (laughs) with lots of couples, (laughs) you know, uh, long stories. But anyway, uh, I have no doubt that you would, even though you fight like cats and dogs, if you stay with it, you'd be on your best behavior. You'd get along just as sweet as you possibly could. In fact, you'd just think it was the anointing of Pastor Mark coming all over you. We're getting along so good because you got that strong anointing, Pastor. No, it's because I can hear you. (laughs) How do we start acting on our best when no one of consequence can hear us? This is Christian maturity. Oh, man. You see, integrity is is doing the right thing when, when nobody sees. Doing the right thing when nobody can tell. One of the ways that we can do this is, is, is to start practicing the presence of God in your life. You know, you come in here and it's wonderful. You guys sing, we worship, and, and you can just feel the presence of God in here. You ever do that just by yourself? You don't have to necessarily start singing out in the middle of, of work. <laughs> no, fire your butt. But, uh, uh, but having this attitude of where well, you can actually just focus on it and, and sense God's presence in your life. It's a wonderful thing to do. Man, do it as often as you can during the day. Just, it's called practicing the presence of God. Are you practicing the presence of God during your day? Or you can sense his presence, that sort of thing. Because it changes you. It changes how you act. Oh boy. Interesting stuff here. I wish I had more time. To, I, I, I could spend forever on this. You know, I, I know the women have a real hard time with this whole respecting and submitting to their husbands uh, because they, they think that, that, that he needs to deserve it first. But I'm telling you, spiritual authority in the Bible is not based on any other reason than based on who you are, not what you do. See, if you understand that, then you start respecting your husband because he's the spiritual head of the house. Why? Because God said so. Why? Talk to God. Okay? Why? Why? Because because God said so. I can't tell you how many times I hear, well, I wish my husband would start acting like the spiritual 
authority in the house. I got news for you. He's a spiritual authority of the house no matter how he acts. This is hard for us to get because we live in a culture that you only get authority if you, if you, if you act right. Our whole political system is based on that. That's why we vote the bums out every two years. We do, really, if you stop thinking about it, it's a little insane. And we just got done with this nonsense and they're already gearing up for round two. And two more years, they'll keep gearing up again. I mean, why is it? Because in this country, by heavens, we're not going to let you stand firm. You don't deserve it. Get your butt out. We went to war to get rid of kings and those sorts of things. Western culture, we don't give a rat's behind about who you are. Just if you earn it. Well, that might work fine in our culture for politically and stuff, blah, 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 blah. But you have to understand something. In the kingdom of God, it is not this way. The kingdom of God authority is based on who you are, not what you do. The good news, see that's, see that's why a lot of you have a hard time seeing this whole thing in Ephesians of who, who God says you are. God says you are more than a conqueror. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You've been lifted up into heavenly places with Christ. So well, I, I, don't, I don't believe that. I haven't done anything to deserve it. I'm just going to stay down here miserable. It's hard for us to see because we think we've got to act some way. The beauty of this stuff is grace means you get this without acting anyway. <laughs> I wish I could show y'all's faces. <laughs> Stop and think about it. See, in Eastern culture, they get this. Western culture, we struggle. Eastern culture, they understand, you know, kings and stuff. A, a king is a king in the East, whether he's a good king or a pig. He's still the king. And he's revered as the king. In Western culture, we'd never tolerate it. It was wise men from the East who came to worship the baby Jesus. There would have never been wise men from the West to do it. First of all, I'm not sure we have any. <laughs> Secondly, there is no stinking way. Can you imagine three of our most... Well, just three, that's the song. We have no idea how many wise men there were. But a bunch of our wisest guys go, and then there's this baby. Now, now he's what, two years old? This is what the Bible teaches by the time they, these guys showed up. A two-year-old. Have you seen someone of two-year-olds running around here? Can you imagine getting down and worshiping a two-year-old? Not a chance. Not in our thinking. We'd walk up and say, well, what? He's, he's pooping his pants. What is he? He hasn't done anything. Look, when he does something, give us a call. Right? Is that not how we would think? Once he's done something, once he's become a man, once he's done something, even our songs often focus in this direction. Eastern Christian culture praises the the holiness of God and the majesty of God because of who he is. Here, much of our songs are about, let's praise God for what he's... Why is that? Because it's when you do it, then you get it. The wise men from the East were right to come and worship Jesus. To give him a whole lot of cash. <laughs> I'm telling you, when they said they brought him gold, frankincense, and myrrh, it wasn't a gold Rolex. And those are pretty good too. <laughs> I'm talking, you know what? You're going to travel halfway across the world to give him a little stick of gold? These guys were loaded for bear. 
I promise you, the family was taken care of from then on. They did not have any rent problems after these guys showed up. Dumped all this wealth into this family. Worshipped this family. Worshipped this child, I mean. Based on no other reason than who he was. They knew who he was. And they gave him praise and adoration. And they bowed before this child because they got it. This is something we need to grow in. And it's hard for us in authority. It's hard for us to respect really anybody. But the scripture is over and over again. We'll see that as we go through the New Testament. Where it encourages us to give respect to those who are in places of respect. And it's hard for us. It's hard for all of us. You know, It's great for me to respect a president I like. Not so much when I don't like him. I can get pretty disrespectful. I think we've all done that. And we, I tell you, we sin when we do it. It's not right. It's very American. <laughs> but it's not right. So, you know, this whole idea of doing this stuff. So anyway, it, it just boils down to verse 33. Each one of you must love his wife as he loves himself. <laughs> we all love ourselves. We just think we're great. And the wife must respect her husband. Okay, now he goes on. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. So he talks to the parents, now he talks to the children. He says, honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. What's the promise? He goes on to tell us that it may go well with you, and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Now, Paul's giving, bringing a sense of structure uh, to, to the church here. But I do, I do want to deviate just for a minute on this verse. The, the point of the matter, he, he does use this to instruct the children, and it's right to do. But you need to understand something. Honor your father and mother was a command not given to children. It was given to adults. I know it's hard. Some of you can't stand your parents. This command was given to adults. It also applies to children, obviously. But in fact, there's a where's this verse I wrote down here? Matthew, the 15th chapter. Check check this out real quick. Look back at Matthew. Matthew, the 15th chapter, verse three. Jesus is arguing with the Pharisees and stuff. These guys were. A real pain. But he says, Why do you break the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? For God said, Honor your father and mother. Again, he's talking to adults. And anyone who curses his father and mother must be put to death. <laughs> that would cure a lot of that. But you, religious leaders, say that if a man says to his father and mother, Look, mom, dad, whatever help I might otherwise you've, you've gotten from me, would have received from me, is a gift devoted to God then he's not to honor his father and mother with it. Thus you nullify the word of God for the sake of your tradition, you hypocrites, and he gets all over their case. So what these guys were doing is what the Pharisees said, look, you're supposed, this whole idea of honoring your mother and father, again, this is going to, this really freaks out our culture because our culture is so different than a biblical culture. But it was, they were supposed to financially support their parents. That's what honor your father and mother means. Now, how that works out practically for, for us today is, is quite the struggle. But I'm just telling you what, it's, what it meant. It meant that you respect them, and if they are in need, you help support them. That doesn't mean they need to drive Cadillacs and 
$500,000 houses, but you, you helped them. This is the idea of respecting your parents, of honoring your mother and father. God says, if you do this, I promise you, I will give you a long life in the earth. That's the promise. Well, these guys came along and, and they said, well, pastor, I think we're pastors, water, you know, what if I gave this money to God instead? Then do I have to give it to my parents anymore? And they said, oh, no, 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 if you give it to God, it's okay. Because they wanted the money. But Jesus, Jesus said, in doing that, you have, you've broken the command. And you say, well, if they're going to give money anyway, why would they try to give it to the church in, in, or to the Pharisees or whatever, synagogue, instead of, in, instead of the parents? Because they obviously didn't like their parents. I mean, this is their way of telling mom and dad to kiss off. Can't imagine anybody like that thinking today. Can't imagine people in families having fights and quarrels. This is what they would do. They get so mad at their parents because of some, who knows, stupid fight. They still gave the money either way. But they gave it to the church, as it were, the synagogue, just to stick it to their parents. Total disrespect. Wow. Heavy stuff, huh? But anyway, he applies this to children. He says, you know, obey your parents. That's right. He says, obey your parents. Actually, it's honor your father and mother is the actual quote. And then he goes on. He says, now fathers, do not exasperate your children. And for years, I've always thought he had that backwards. (laughs) Being a father, I think they tend to exasperate us. But he says, don't exasperate your children. Don't overdo it. Don't be too harsh on them. Easy for a dad to do. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Then he goes on. And all all this is about structure. Structure in society. The next one, he says, slaves. Now, we don't have those today, but uh, you you, you could actually interject the word employees. Employees, obey your bosses with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. What? You should serve your boss like you would serve Jesus? Yeah, that's what he's saying. Can, can you see how these people changed the world that they lived in? They actually started living this stuff in every area of their life. And the world went, what? Why are you acting this way? They respected each other. They loved each other. They, they served, even slaves would serve their masters like they were serving Jesus. And the world, it it, it changed them. They would hear about this stuff and they would ask them, why do you guys act this way? And it gave them opportunity to share their faith. And they talked about the grace of God. And so many of them became believers as a result of the behavior of these men and women. the The way they would act. Verse 6, obey them, not just to win their favor. In other words, work hard. Not just to win your favor when their eye is on you. <laughs> if bosses work, bosses looking, everybody look busy. Don't do just when they're looking at you, but do it like slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart. Say, so, man, I'm going to do my best whether they're looking at me or not. Wow. Serve wholeheartedly as you were serving the Lord, not men. Because you know that the Lord will reward everyone for whatever good he does, whether he's slave or free. Then he talks to the slave owners. Masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Don't threaten them. Don't be harsh to them. 
Since you know that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven. You think you're their master? There's a master above both of you. And there's no favoritism with him. He doesn't care who you think the master is down here. Now, whenever you get to this whole thing, uh, there there are some sections of the Bible in the New Testament where you you sit from our worldview today and look at it and go, what in the world were they thinking? Why did they allow for slavery? Why did they? Why didn't he say slaves rise up and rebel? Why didn't he command all the slave owners to set uh, them free? There's interesting questions. I mean, something Christians struggled with certainly a hundred years ago in this country, well, more than a hundred years ago now. Uh, you know, with the whole civil war and all that kind of stuff. People in the South were quick to quote these scriptures to say it was right now that that was all a political thing all I can tell you is that when these guys came along their interest was not trying to change any political structures at all their interest was changing hearts their interest was advancing the kingdom of God they really didn't care that much about politics I gotta tell you and that's why they didn't and there's other things that they, they talk about we'll run in from time to time when uh, uh, difficult verses that we, we, we think today when, when you read the New Testament and, and we'll deal with each one as, as it comes along but uh, because they weren't interested in changing that kind of the culture they're trying to change the culture of the heart and what's amazing is even in the most unideal circumstances they determined we will shine as believers no matter what our status no matter where we're at we're going to shine and demonstrate the love of God and again I remind you, in just a generation or two, these people flipped the known world upside down on its head. Because these people started living and expressing their daily lives in this way. And it absolutely fried them. They'd never seen anything like it. Fabulous stuff. Um, All right, so he's almost at the end of the the book here. Um, Finally... Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. You know, I need, I need an example. How much time we got? We got, we got time. Somebody, somebody run down and, and grab me a baby. <laughs> Who can go get me a baby? Who's not, are you going to go get a baby? <laughs> okay, he's going to get me. Yeah, go get, I need to borrow a little baby. All right, we'll give it right back. Promise, we promise. <laughs> Because I don't want to be stuck with the responsibility. Just a cute one. A nice one. Ah, uh, here's one right here. We got one already. Beautiful. 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 Ooh, ooh, ooh. This is good stuff. Now. Hi, sweetie. Will she, will she be okay with me? Will she freak out? Will she? Hi. Come here. Come see me. I want to show you something. I want to show all the people. Look at the people. Look at all the people. Now, now watch this baby. Watch this baby. I'm going to make her dance. La, 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 la. She's a dancing baby. She's a happy baby. She's possessed. Oh, my God. She's possessed. Look. Ah. Now, what's happening? She's doing stuff that she can't do on her own. And somebody else is making her do things. You can go back now. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, I owe you some money someday. Okay, go. Now. Now, I need somebody else. Come here. Come here. All right, no, you, you can go. I'm going to get Kabir. Kabir's going to come up here now. All right, now. Now, if you didn't know any better and I was invisible, you would think that little baby was what? Dancing. Or possessed. 
Right? It's dancing, it's moving all kinds of stuff, you know. what? Now, watch me make Kabir dance. Look, look, look. <laughs> okay. All right. Now, <laughs> why couldn't I do that to him? He's really strong. Okay? So he's saying here finally, be strong in the Lord. You need to understand something. A lot of times when you're weak in faith, it's like the devil comes along and he makes us dance. And he does things and he pushes us around. And, and, uh, and, and, and sometimes people, now, now, you know, we've talked about this before. Some people believe Christians can be possessed of the devil. I do not think it's possible. But I think what happens is the devil comes and starts influencing in a way that looks, my, they must be possessed. They keep doing things they shouldn't be able to do. What is that? Why are they doing that? Why that? I'm telling you why. I believe it's because they're so weak. The answer isn't to be delivered or to be sprinkled with holy water, which there is no such thing really, or, or, or whatever else. It's, it's to get strong in the Lord. When you get strong in the Lord, the devil can't make you dance. That's the bottom line. So he says, get strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God. So you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. What is he saying? The devil wants to make you dance. He wants to control you. You need to saddle up, baby. You need to get ready for battle. He says, put on the full armor of God. For our struggle is not against what? Flesh and blood, but it's against rulers, spiritual things, authorities, against powers of this darkness. There is a, a wrestling there is a wrestling of, of dark forces. I, I don't d- deny that for a moment. But the answer is to get strong. That's the answer. I, I've remained convinced that those who believe otherwise and, and think of some of these other remedies still find people who still struggle. They keep struggling. No matter how many deliverances they have, they keep struggling. Why is that? Because it's not about that. It's about it's time to get strong in our faith. So therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, notice it says that when the day of evil comes, not if. The bad news tonight is the day of evil is going to come to your house. Isn't that lovely? Isn't that something to make you shout? Ain't nobody saying amen now. The day of evil comes. When it comes, it comes. Evil comes. Bad stuff happens. What's the answer? Get strong. Get strong. It's time that we get strong so the devil quits kicking our butts and pushing us around and defeating us as believers. Why does he do this? Because we're little babies. And then we start crying like that baby was going to cry. The answer is to get strong. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so when the devil evil, evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. Hallelujah. And after you've done everything to stand, the implication is ready to go to battle again. That's being a strong believer. These are the guys that don't worry about the devil pushing them around. They're out there kicking the devil's butt. They're out there advancing the kingdom of God. These are the people who are living successful Christian lives and aren't afraid of the boogeyman. Somebody say amen. Pastor, aren't you afraid? It's Halloween's coming. There's pumpkins. People go say pumpkins. No, I don't care. Some little pumpkin comes to my house. I'll give him some candy. Hey, have a great night afraid of that devil 
Don't get me started. Good night. It's just a stupid day. It's the devil's day. It's not the devil's day. The devil didn't have a day. Every day is hell for him. Stand firm then. Don't be a girly man. Get strong. Come on. Get the belt of truth buckled around your waist. Put the breastplate of righteousness in its place. Not your righteousness, but the righteousness that comes from Christ. Have your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Man, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. The good news is you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. The bad news is the evil one will be throwing flaming arrows at you. Don't be crying and freaking out because all of a sudden arrows are coming at you. Well, something's wrong. Something's wrong. No, this is life. It's called the life of the believer. The devil hates you. Surprise. Do anything he can to knock you off base. Get that shield out there. Take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. You need to learn how to do battle. Which is why we're trying to teach you the word so you can know who you are, how to get the promises of God, how to approach life and how to approach faith so you can become a successful warrior. Start getting on the offensive. I'm tired of Christians living on the defensive. We need to get strong and start kicking some butt. Hallelujah. All right. Kicking butt somewhere in here. I don't know where. But. <laughs> in the footnotes. <laughs> I need to start my own Bible. Put, put footnotes in here. Means kick butt. So get put, put on the full armor of God so you can get out there, get strong and do some stuff. And pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. I love it. Praying in the spirit, man. Have you been filled with the Holy Spirit? Have you been filled with the Holy Spirit? Well, I don't know. What does that mean? I tell you, you need to come. You're starting a class, right? On the Holy Spirit? This, this is powerful stuff. This is cool stuff. Have you got the Holy Spirit moving inside of you? Since you've believed. You know, so, well, I believe in Jesus. But have you been filled with the Holy Spirit? Well, I, don't, I don't know. Have I? You need to go to the class. <laughs> All right? Now, the bad news is, this is on Wednesday nights. <laughs> Why are you competing with me for, man? That's all right. You need, if you haven't, if, if you haven't really been filled with the Holy Spirit, you need to go to this class and, and get this. They'll be, they'll be promoting it on Sunday with all the other groups out there. Man, I'll tell you, when, it is cool. It is just flat out cool. You say, do you believe in speaking in tongues? Oh, I do. Yeah, I think it's cool. I think it's cool. It's one of the neatest things. Pastor, you speak in tongues? Yep, every day. You mean you don't, your head doesn't spin around in circles and go crazy? No, it just... I'm an old charismatic man. This is powerful stuff. I love it. So, well, I don't want it. I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, but I don't want no tongues. I'll tell you why. You just need to get filled with the Holy Spirit and let the rest up to God. You don't come in and say, I'd like to buy some shoes, but I don't want any with tongues. <laughs> the arrogance of people, you know. I'll, I'll do this, but as long as I don't get that. I'll do this as long as I don't come. I'll come to church as long as I don't have to sing or stand or do nothing or look at anybody because they're all ugly. You know, everybody comes with these, 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 all these, expect, these, these conditions. And that's okay. Look, you can come to church with all kinds of conditions. I don't care. But at some point, you need to grow in your faith to where the conditions start falling down. So, you know, I want all of Jesus. I don't care what. No conditions. 
I want to grow in my faith. I want to experience all of God I can experience. Hallelujah. All right. Go to the class. Okay. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying with, for all the saints. That means all the believers, not a bunch of dead people. All right. Now, pray also for me that whenever I open my mouth, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Now, you can't obey this verse anymore because Paul is dead. You can, however, pray for me. And I, I covet that. Uh, in fact, tomorrow um, we're going to, to California uh, doing our first event of, of the fall. It's already been sold out, 1,800 people or something like that. We're very excited about it. But to pray for us that as I go around encouraging families that God will be with us and that he'll protect us and uh, that things will go well for us and pray for our airplane that it works. <laughs> Nothing worse than being at 25,000 feet and the airplane quits working. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so, uh, uh, yeah, that would be, we would like that. Seriously, pray God blesses us and keeps us safe and everything else. Say, Pastor, do you flat? Yes, I do. Do you flat by yourself? No, I don't. I have, I have a pilot with me, uh, Jim Shibley. Is he here tonight? Little backslider, he's not here. But uh, um, <laughs> he's a great guy in the church. He's a uh, former uh, uh, Air Force major, retired now. Flew uh, some 30-some-odd missions, uh, combat missions in Desert Storm. The boy knows how to fly an airplane. So I'm good hands. You know, I just want to go straight and level. That's all I want to do. <laughs> it's not in my bag. Um, pray for your pastor. Help us to, as, as we go out to touch the world. Then he says, final greetings. Uh, how do you say that? Tish whatever the dear brother and faithful servant you want to name your kid that don't do that Uh, (laughs) uh, he will tell you everything so that you also may know how I am doing and what I am doing remember he's writing this letter to them I am sending him to you for this very purpose that you may know how we are and that we may encourage you and he says peace to the brothers and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ grace to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love we are done with Ephesians. And let me encourage you now. Go back. Read it now. Just read it straight through. You'll find out how easy it is now. Just read it. You go, hey, I'm getting the hang of this. And it's cool. And grow from this stuff. And then uh, we will uh, start up with a new book next week. I'm, I'm debating in my head between uh, going on to the next one, which is uh, Philippians or backing up and doing uh, Galatians. I kind of like Galatians because he's ticked off through the whole thing. <laughs> I just love that stuff. He is yelling at these people. And that's always great fun for me. But uh, um, we'll, we'll see. We'll, I'll, we'll, we'll announce it and, uh, and we'll just continue to go through this. Y'all enjoying this stuff? Yeah. Praise God. Pastor Lathan.